0: APRA acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Taking Care, a podcast of APRA and the National Boards. I'm Tash Miles and in this episode we're talking about telehealth in the pandemic era. Since the onset of COVID-19 in Australia, telehealth has emerged as a key way of health practitioners continuing to practice and keep the public safe and healthy. While some practitioners have always offered telehealth, for many it has been a steep learning curve over the past month as they evolved their thinking about what they can and should provide to appropriately meet the needs of patients. In today's episode, we hear from three health practitioners working in different professions across Australia. And just so you know, telehealth is healthcare using technology instead of face to face consultation. For example, this could be through video conferencing, internet, and telephone. Let's meet our first guest, Dr. Victoria Malloy.
1: I'm Dr. Victoria Malloy. I'm a musculoskeletal physio who's been practicing for about 20 years. And I did my PhD um, looking into the diagnosis of joint related low back pain about 14 years ago. I'm also a consultant for Compensable Bodies and Private Health Insurers and I run a physiotherapy
0: and exercise studio in Sunshine Beach. Let's start off by talking about what telehealth looks like in your profession.
1: I think it offers a a fairly straightforward transition of services. Education advice can be delivered really easily and so can the teaching of self-management techniques uh, such as exercise programs and pain management. Telehealth enables this for assessment enables people to do assessment consultations, review consultations and also the prescription of exercise, be it one-on-one classes or group sessions can also be delivered via telehealth.
0: And Can you talk to us about the transition that you've had to make in this pandemic uh, context?
1: We were running exercise classes and also physio sessions from our clinic. um, Probably about Five weeks ago, one of our clients um, was immunocompromised. She's recovering from leukaemia and breast cancer. And she is also a dentist and was right up with what was happening with COVID-19 and decided to self-isolate quite early, um, which gave us a really good opportunity to transition our exercise classes to Zoom and showed all our members that that could be done as well. So quite early on, we were starting to get the Zoom classes up and happening, I also, my, I've got three children. My youngest has asthma. He's two years old. So we made the decision about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, to shut down the clinic. Um, my elderly mother also lives with us up here on our property and she's high risk as well. So we thought, look, it's just not worth bringing, bringing it home to our family. So we transitioned quite quickly all our services to telehealth.
0: Right. Well, that, that does sound like a big change. Um, could you could you talk to us about what sessions look like for you now?
1: In terms of a- exercise prescription, I have for a number of years used a program which prescribes exercises via video and through an app. And so, on with the telehealth program I'm using, I c- we can watch those videos together. The patients can see what they they need to do. They can demonstrate, and it. A, a, really enables them to know exactly what they need to be doing. So um, I'm finding that they're a lot more motivated to do their exercises and, and get self-management kind of programs as well. The physio consults, I'll generally talk to the patient over the phone just to kind of get them set up with the software that we're using. And then they'll get a message which gives them a direct link to the consult. So at the time of our, the consultation, they just click on the link. That takes us to the telehealth. Program, I'll run a, a consultation really very similar to how I would in the clinic. The only thing I, that's changed really is allowing for the technical problems. Obviously, a lot of people are using the internet at the moment and we're having a few issues with um, connectivity, with audio, with video. Before I had this call, I had a patient who um, just really was struggling with the technology. We couldn't get the software to work, We I tried probably six different video formats and then once we finally got one to, to work, the image wasn't right, I couldn't see her.
0: So how often does things like this happen? How often do things go wrong?
1: Probably about 10, 10 to 15%, it's a, a bit of a struggle. But after that initial consultation um, where they've got the hang of it, the follow-on on consultations are, are running really quite smoothly.
0: Can you talk to us about some of the best aspects of telehealth? And this is both for you and your patients.
1: Well, one positive aspect is there's no travel time. So people are are saving time. Um, It's also obviously safe. People are in their own homes. um, They're in their own environment. They can be comfortable and not... I think sometimes people are a bit nervous to come and see the physio. So it lowers that kind of barrier um, to attendance. Um, It's also accessible for everyone, so if people are injured or they're sore or they're just not feeling up to coming to the clinic, they just need to get on the phone, which is really good. And in terms of um, home exercise programs, it enables me to to see where they're doing their home exercise programs and and ensure that they are safe and there aren't any um, safety concerns that I need to be aware of.
0: Do any of your clients or colleagues have any concerns about privacy and is that something that you'd be able to speak about?
1: It's probably the opposite, actually, which I, kind of surprised me. So I've, I've, I had an, a, an example today with one of my patients who um, said the software I use is all safe and very secure. And she just was like, no, just use FaceTime or Messenger, it doesn't matter. And, and I had to explain, well, no, we can't. So uh, not really. So it's probably the opposite. They're a bit more um, just use anything to ring me, which I was quite surprised at.
0: Yeah, that is surprising, but I guess um shows the open mentality and people are willing to kind of take on new things in this strange time. I'm wondering if you have any anecdotes or stories about memorable experiences in telehealth that you could share with us.
1: A patient who, who was a previous patient of mine um, is a firefighter who recently injured himself at work. And he rang me wanting to come into the clinic, and I explained that we were doing things by telehealth. He's like, "Oh, okay, I guess I better look for someone else." And he was a bit hesitant to try try the whole video thing. And we um, had a consult about two weeks ago, and he'd injured his shoulder. And he had his wife there, and she helped with the assessment. And we moved the camera around. I could assess his shoulder properly, and he hadn't had a scan yet. And he was a bit, bit sceptical, and I gave him my diagnosis. And then the next day he had the scan done. And um, not to blow my own trumpet, but it was the, the diagnosis I gave him was exactly the same as the scan. So that, <laughs> that made him a bit more um, believing in the, the method of treatment. And then also he'd, um, we were talking about how he could, because he wanted a massage. I was, I was showing him how to use massage balls and things like that and he'd recently purchased a gun and never used it so i was able to show him how to use that and where to do it appropriately for his injury and and then also prescribed him his exercises and one of his work colleagues had injured his shoulders and he he was then teaching his friend how to do the exercises at work using the app he's in his mid-60s and um yeah really embracing all the new technology which was pretty awesome
0: is there anything else that you'd like to Add on about telehealth in general, and in, in this time, or, or um, kind of moving forward.
1: It's a really important time for physios, that, uh, and it's an incredible opportunity for us to show that we can deliver really high quality treatment via telehealth, and then hopefully we'll be able to continue um, to have telehealth funded because it enables us to teach exercise and self-management strategies which is so important for so many aspects of people's lives and it it opens up the accessibility to pretty much everyone in Australia which I think it's incredibly exciting and I just hope our profession can um, get on board and not miss the boat.
0: That was a great note to end on. All the best. Thank you. Our next guest is Michael Nitschke.
2: My name is Michael Nitschke. Uh, I'm a podiatrist. I've been practicing for about 14 years and I focus, uh, I work in a, a private sports medicine facility within Adelaide and with a major focus in treating musculoskeletal injury.
0: And could you talk us briefly through what a session might look like for a patient?
2: I communicate with my patients in relation to management of injury or progress on injury and uh, and obviously education for that population and that I deal with in the clinic. But just by Um, an online platform as opposed to in in face person to person a pre-existing patient normally i would have uh, documentation of uh, their history and their uh their goals and their outcomes i make sure that i've got a questionnaire sitting right in front of me so i ask all the questions so i don't try and miss anything that uh, i would miss in person after this past fortnight i think i've felt like i've created a better template for myself from start to finish and uh and I think that's, once again, it's exposure and it's, uh, it's just exposure to, to performing it over and over again. And I think, like anything, you can have a system in place that you want to follow, but the more you become exposed to that type of platform, the more organic it becomes as well.
0: I'm interested in your connection with your patients. How has that changed or how does that change when you have a kind of more virtual relationship with them in their own home rather than in your clinic?
2: Those people who are quite comfortable um, with using online technology, I think the relationship probably doesn't vary too much if they feel comfortable. But I suppose not every person goes behind the computer screen and feels quite as comfortable as um, potentially someone who does this on maybe uh, part of their job or their work or maybe they've been exposed to it more often. And I think just that conversation that takes place virtually online within, say, 10 to 15 minutes starts to become more organic. And they realize that the outcome or maybe the relationship they had with with uh, the practitioner in person uh, is more or less the same. I could screen share. I could show some videos. I could show some, um, some slides and some lectures and some direction through things that made things feel. Or even be able to utilize um, some of the models we have within our clinics, for example, like um, musculoskeletal models to be able to. To visually show patients, so it feels a bit more like it's in the clinic.
0: It's a whole new skill set for health practitioners to be able to connect with patients uh, virtually, as opposed to when they're sitting next to them, which can, in some ways can be easier, in some ways can be more difficult. Mike, we hear from patients that sometimes they can feel as though when they visit a practitioner in person in in a clinic or a practice that the practitioner might be spending time taking notes and not looking at them. Do you feel like telehealth has more opportunity for complete focus on your patients and, and on the practitioner or as, are you still kind of juggling taking notes and keeping an eye on the time and managing your practice in the same kind of way that, that you would need to in a physical environment?
2: It's oh, a very good question. I suppose when I'm one-on-one with a patient in person, I definitely am writing my notes directly into my computer at the particular time, but it still definitely as important to keep eye contact and the person, the reaction of how they are, you know, um, dispensing their information through a subjective exam. There's probably no doubt that there's definitely more face-to-face eye contact during a telehealth conference, and that might actually be a good way of developing, um, you know, maybe a better relationship with the patient. I'm currently still writing it down by hand on a piece of paper um, during the consultation because I utilise the same computer um to do my zoom as i would with my notes so i actually i take my notes down on pencil right now so i probably am spending more eye you know eye contact with the patient and then i go post consultation it probably does take an extra five minutes i i I place those notes into um into my computer
0: could you talk to us about what you see as the best aspects of telehealth both for you and for your patient outcomes and their families
2: so a lot of my patients who maybe live in the hills for example they've had a great opportunity to be able to get consultation and maybe reduce travel time up to 90 minutes to two hours' worth, which can obviously take place. So I even think within the future, maybe some patients who feel like the service was um, as good as what it was in person may gravitate to utilising telehealth in the future as well. Um, There's definitely some people that prefer to see you in person, whether it's uh, because they do have a better connection with you, um, but there's not... I haven't come across too many pitfalls within the telehealth system besides every now and then a patient may come through potentially a bone stress injury or something systemic that may need further imaging or further further tools for diagnosis. It's definitely those who need to travel a bit more and those who are quite good with telecommunications and online technology. I think you might find a few patients might prefer this for the future, which, which would be good.
0: Could you give us an anecdote of a memorable telehealth experience?
2: now people are a lot more active and in seeing a lot more people uh doing a lot more like recreational running who've probably never done this for the past three to four years there was a, a particular example where uh we were able to diagnose uh, a metatarsal stress fracture where we were off to, to send off for an x-ray someone did you know like 80ks in their first week of running and hadn't and whereas other times i've had patients literally call you up and who've had good success but because they've got more time to be active, they just want to make sure how, uh, sort of how much more they can do, what are they currently doing, and uh, have particular patients who will um, share their screen and they'll show me their Garmin data, which will show the amount of running load they may have been doing for the past few weeks, and you'll just give them advice and education on how to progress it up quite cleverly and reduce the risk.
0: Mike, do you have any advice to health practitioners who are just starting out in telehealth? The
2: best advice I can give is, um, I mean, I've picked an area that I'm quite comfortable with that, I, um, that I'm that i doing a bit of postgraduate research in. So working in running-related injury, I think, is uh, a great area that I can get a lot of subjective history. But I probably wouldn't be as comfortable, say, maybe taking a subjective history in, say, a paediatric case of podiatry because my expertise isn't particularly in that area. So that would be an example where if I had a patient ring up I might refer them off to some paediatric podiatrists potentially who will be focusing in that area if they do telehealth. So for other practitioners, I would say the areas that they're exposed to the most throughout the day and they're most confident in and their, their clinical and academic knowledge is better in, they'll be the areas I would say they should focus on for telehealth and I think that's when we'll get less room for error in using the actual platform itself.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Mike, and all the best. Thank you very much. Our next guest is Leanne Hopkins. I'm Leanne Hopkins and I'm an occupational
3: therapist. I've been running a private paediatric business for the last 10 years and I decided to make a shift to delivering services 100% online in June last year. I also work for the government with adults in vocational rehab related work. Uh, But since the pandemic, I've been providing telehealth consultancy as well as a telehealth OTs Facebook group and a free fortnightly telehealth OTs webinar.
0: Fantastic. So you were pretty early or well, earlier to the kind of telehealth switch going 100% um, almost, almost a year ago. What made you decide to make that shift?
3: I've been a consumer of telehealth for my own family over the last decade. And so when I reflected on the models of intervention that have been most useful for my kids in particular, I was surprised to realise it was actually when they had receive telehealth themselves so we lived in the middle of Victoria at the time and it was an hour to the closest therapist in any direction and so we had access to some of the best therapists in their field via telehealth and so that inspired me to have a bit of a look at the research and I was pleased to discover that telehealth is uh, established in the research as being comparable to in-person services and that spurred me on from there.
0: Great and as an occupational therapist could you briefly talk us through some elements of a session and how it works?
3: There's no magic formula to it. Therapists don't need to feel like they have to be really tech in order to do it. <laughs> so I try and keep my online sessions as close to how I would have delivered them in person. Telehealth isn't the therapy, but it is the mode through which therapy is delivered. This can often be done via via conference and can be complemented by phone, email, text messages, electronic monitoring devices, apps, or even photos and videos sent in advance. And it's also important to discuss with families what device would be best for the type of intervention being delivered. So, for example, a desktop computer with a bigger screen for talking-based interventions, a laptop, document, camera, or portable device for fine motor interventions, so you can see what the hands are doing, and a portable device for, say, gross motor or play interventions, active or young kids, and for daily living skills.
0: If someone's thinking about engaging in a telehealth uh, relationship with a practitioner, should they just approach the practitioner? Do they need to do any preparation, have any specific technology on hand or is that something that you problem solve at the start of the relationship? So
3: what I do is I actually offer a free 15-minute appointment with new families just to trial the technology. I always have my little troubleshooting guide handy. I make sure the um, family has a phone nearby so that if there are any technical issues with the platform that we're using, we can just go back to using the phone. So it's always good to have a plan B and that they know what that plan B is
0: if you could give us some memorable experiences that you've had.
3: It's actually really cute, I mean obviously with the, the kids in their own homes, so for some of those younger children or kids who have uh, reduced attention span, uh, just the other day I had a little girl who was five years old and she was struggling to sit in front of the screen and you know, I don't always have them in front of the screen but this particular intervention did need her to pay attention um, and so they brought out the little um, dog Katie and um, Katie sat on the girl's lap while she had her session so it was a, a a great substitute for what some people may use a weighted blanket for but just to help us stay grounded in, in the moment and engage with the session and it was, it's really nice to share in that I think and actually my daughter's looking at getting an assistance dog at the end of this year and I'm hoping to sort of sit that dog next to me just to also help gravitate the kids' attention to the screen <laughs> um, by, you know, them sort of paying attention to the dog and what's happening with me and things like that as well so it's good to be creative. I know um, I've also used puppets and things like that which can be a bit fun just to keep the kids involved.
0: Fantastic. Um, And can you talk to us about how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected your practice?
3: Yeah, look, I have found that referral numbers for intervention have really slowed almost to a complete stop. But bizarrely, I'm busier than ever helping therapists switch to the online way of doing things. Um, Some of this is paid and some is voluntary. You know, my online business is no longer a niche market. So I'm constantly having to reinvent my business and meet gaps in service demands. Uh, I have a bit of a community development mindset. So if I see that something's going to benefit the community such as telehealth, I do tend to
0: promote it and help others offer it. So just on that community development mindset, apart from you know having the right technological infrastructure, what other things do health practitioners who are in the, working in the telehealth spa- space, how do they need to be thinking or approaching this work as opposed to if they're used to working in a, in a clinic or a physical um, environment?
3: Yeah, look, I think it's really important that they do look at what their strengths are and what they're interested in, Uh, look at the models that they currently have on offer and see which ones can be adapted easily to the telehealth environment. Um, I think it's really important that people who are looking at offering telehealth actually um, observe an experienced telehealth practitioner delivering either a real or simulated session via telehealth Uh, Obviously, there's lots of free webinars available that cover theories of telehealth, but from my own informal research, therapists build their skills and confidence far more quickly when they see telehealth in action and can actually imagine themselves doing it with their own individual flair. Um, I think practising using the technology with friends and family um, before using it with clients can be really wise and also linking in with other people who are doing telehealth.
0: I'm interested in the logistics of your appointments. How does one make a booking? How do you deal with back-to-back appointments? Could you talk about that?
3: So basically it's a matter of um, clients either contacting me by phone or by email. I usually direct them to my services page on my website and just say to them look are there any of these services that seem like they might meet your current needs and if they come back and say yes then we arrange a initial appointment just to talk those through and that's my opportunity to screen and see if I feel they are going to benefit from my services or if they might benefit from someone else more but it's also a chance for them to screen if I'm going to be the right fit for them as well I think it's a mutual two-way thing
0: just wondering um, before we wrap up if there's anything more that you'd like to say on the subject of telehealth, either for other practitioners or members of the public or, or patients?
3: I'd like to encourage practitioners to start to think about if telehealth is a model that you'd like to continue to offer after this pandemic, uh, because the research does indicate that Clients are often more ready and willing to use telehealth than therapists are. And they actually prefer what we call a hybrid model. So that's a combination of telehealth and in-person services. So for example, they might start off in a clinic seeing people in person, maybe do some telehealth when things are stabilised and then maybe back to in-person if anything urgent or important crops up. So I just encourage people to think past this point when they feel like they're kind of getting you know, through the thick of it and, and starting to find their stride and just see if it's something they can envisage offering more ongoing.
0: It was very interesting to hear your perspective on telehealth in the pandemic era. Thank you.
3: Thanks very much for having me and all the best to everyone
0: at this time. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have any feedback or you'd like to know more, please email communications at apra.gov.au. APRA has also published guidance for practitioners on its website, which you can find by searching for telehealth at APRA.gov.au. To hear more episodes of our podcast, please subscribe to Taking Care in your favourite podcast player or search for Taking Care on the APRA website. Thanks for listening.